This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. Hey. Hello. We're here. <laughs> we made it. Hi. <laughs> we're back again. <laughs> oh my God, we're back again. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> So that's how today's going to go. <laughs> Welcome to episode 77. Love triangles. Bum, bum, bum. Yep. I'm so <laughs> here for this episode. So this is the episode coming to you before Valentine's Day. Yeah. So um, we thought it fitting. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did we? Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes, we did. Oh. <laughs> I don't know you all. So I, a couple more came out of me. I don't. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm just glad it's hump day. <laughs> it's hump day. What you got? What 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 are we eating and drinking today? Okay, so on, on this fine Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We are having our own little take here on champagne and strawberries. Uh, yeah. All our pretty woman. <laughs> mm, so good. So good. So good. So we're actually drinking a, I don't know how to say these words. I was gifted a lovely bottle of, I'm guessing we would call this a sparkling wine because it's not from champagne. Okay. France. Okay. Saguara. Sure. Viudas? Ooh. Just look at the picture. I don't know. It's a beautiful bottle. Y'all decide. It looks really pretty. It's a sparkling rosé. It was gifted to me by my bonus mom. Yeah. My stepmom. Thanks, Raina. Thank you. So she contributed to this someday. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> and then I went to Buttercups mm-hmm. Cupcakes mm-hmm. and got us some strawberry crunch cupcakes. Go get one of those. We've already sampled them. Oh my god, so with good. the cute little wooden forks that came with it. Yeah, the tiniest. It's like an elves fork. Yeah, I mean, it takes some skill to you know keep the cupcake on there, but it's cute. You get so enough we're still icing using on it. there. Yeah, we're still <laughs> forging through. And um, just for funsies, uh huh. I'm going to um. Oh, it's a popper. Yeah, so we're gonna pop. It. I'm gonna pop the champagne on air. Good God. I've never done one like this before. Oh, yeah. It's a real one. It's got wires mm-hmm. and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not that fancy. So anytime I've had champagne or sparkling wine, it's just like the ones you push off with your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> so this is new. Okay. I'm going to do a thing. You can do this. I'm going to point it this way. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. In just case in case. I do something wrong. Yeah. Turn the key. And then you got to kind of wiggle it off of there. <laughs> now, grab the tip. <laughs> this the tip. Okay. Do I just pull it out? Pull and twist at the same pull time. Pull and twist. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's moving. It's coming. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's what she said. She, she's scared. <laughs> I'm really scared. I'm afraid it's going to like pop Look, in. It's going to get you when you it's least expect it. Here we go. <laughs> She did it! Yeah, <laughs> I feel so fancy. <laughs> Cue Iggy Azalea, Steven. I'm so fancy. You already know I'm in the best lane. Hell yeah. I'm so proud. Ooh. <laughs> so bubbly. I feel a little bougie. We are a little bougie right now. With our fancy cupcakes. I'm really impressed with the cupcake. Like, usually strawberry cupcakes or cakes, you can taste the artificial strawberry. But I, I, this tastes like like legit strawberry. I like it. I'm here for it. Damn. All right. We're going to drink a whole bottle. <laughs> I love that Cheers. our cups fit so much. Cheers. Drink. 
they match the cupcake. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That is delightful. Oh, my goodness. That... <clears throat> so, it's not super it's sweet. It's not sweet. It tastes like a champagne. It's kind of dry. Mm-hmm. With a little bit... Well, there is a little hint of sweet aftertaste. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. Matched with the sweetness of the strawberry cupcake, that is perfect. Mm -hmm. You did amazing. Thanks. All around claps and cheers. And I didn't even know. No. (laughs) I love it when it was like that. (laughs) Winning today. Brittany gets a point. Yes. Go to the socials so you Mm -hmm. can see pictures of our hump day treat. Oh, because it's so pretty. And pictures from the case and other shenanigans and such. Uh, Yeah. I've been making some reels when I get bored. (laughs) I'm not going to do that, so don't hold your breath for those. But Amanda's a hoot. You should go watch her. (laughs) She's a hoot. Thanks for putting up with me. (laughs) I'll post weird memes and Amanda can do reels. There we go. And cheerleading photos. Have you seen Brittany's cheerleading photo? Woo, baby. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hey, can I get them digits? (laughs) Told you I've always had boobies. I know. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Thanks, Grandma. Uh (laughs) I don't have that gift. Because you got booty, 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 booty. Mm, I got the booty, though. Rocking everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You really got to take a bite and then take a sip. It really brings out the flavor of the strawberries. <laughs> Thanks for your gear. <laughs> no, of the champagne. My bad. Other way around. It's so good, though. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Nice pairing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was Such doing. Such a professional now. Mm-hmm. It's only taken no. 77 episodes. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep complimenting me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about your case, y'all. This topic is ridiculous anyways. Yeah. (laughs) This topic's bonkers. There will definitely be a 2.0 because, oh my God. There's so many to choose from. But this one, (laughs) this one's legit like craziness. Okay. Are y'all ready? I'm ready. For the tall, hot, blonde affair. Fuck yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to jump right in. Let's do it. Have you ever had an online romance? If you did, consider yourself lucky that yours didn't end in murder. (laughs) While online love stories and hookups each start in their own unique way, for Thomas Montgomery, a 46-year-old former Marine from Clarence, New York, who worked in a factory as a machinist, life was pretty traditional. He had a wife, two loving daughters, and even taught Sunday school at his church. Okay. A chance encounter online with a gorgeous 18-year-old girl named Jessie seemed innocent enough. It's never innocent. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Jessie, whose online name was Tall Hot Blonde, yeah. <laughs> didn't know that her sweet, sexy Marine wasn't who he said he was. Bastard. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Okay. When Tall Hot Blonde began instant messaging Thomas on a gaming chat room site for teens, Pogo, He was concerned about how it would look if he replied. Yeah. Sticky. First off, (laughs) why are you in the teenager chat room? Thomas. Mm Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. It would look bad because it is bad. It's bad that you're there. (laughs) You're nasty, Thomas. Mm -hmm. You're nasty. Intrigued by the flirtatious nature of the messages and the beautiful profile pic Jesse had, he decided to use the anonymity of the internet and message her back pretending to be 18 too. He felt flattered that an attractive 18-year-old was interested in talking with him. So, I have some pictures of Jesse. Oh, yeah. You want to go to the one that says Jesse? She is gorgeous. Yep. These are just some samples of some of her pics that she used. And she is indeed a tall, hot blonde. Yes, absolutely. 100%. So, she didn't lie. No. Even though he was married, his boring job and sexless marriage made this all the more enticing. Not an excuse. Thomas, you garbage. <laughs> Before long, the messages became romantic, but it led to the unraveling of Thomas's marriage, the death of a co-worker, his own eventual imprisonment, and the shocking twist which haunts him to this day. 
Giving those aren't enough reasons for you to uh, <laughs> stick around and listen to the story. <laughs> Let her give you more. <laughs> Here we go. Giving himself the screen name Marine Sniper, <laughs> Thomas told Jesse that he was a young, handsome, Iraq-bound Marine, <laughs> while she claimed to be a softball-playing high school senior from West Virginia. As the pair's online affair intensified, Jesse began to send Thomas extremely provocative pictures, and he sent her a picture of himself from 30 years ago when he was a member of the U.S. Marines. I've got that <laughs> photograph if you want to go look. I'm going to bet he was not a sniper, though. It says Marine Sniper. Mm, that's his picture. That doesn't prove that he was a sniper. Ted's doesn't. <laughs> Stick around for more of the story. She was attracted to that. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry, but right, right, girl. Okay, you're beautiful. Just, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> just wait. Okay, <laughs> I have more pictures. Calm down. <laughs> he hinted darkly of covert ops and dark deeds, but U.S. Marine <laughs> records obtained by 2020 show that although he qualified as a sharpshooter, he never trained as a sniper. Or saw action. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, Thomas. (laughs) Thomas was turned on by the fantasy. A sexy 18-year-old girl who needs someone to show her the ropes sexually. Jesse told him she was a virgin, and this added to the temptation, even though it was all through the web. Oh, my God, you're gross. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, I kept thinking, well, we're never going to meet. I'll just play the game with her, said Thomas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. The flirting, which began in May 2005, soon turned to cybersex. Okay. Described by neighbors as a good man who worked for his daughter's swim team board, Thomas's life... This is so bad. Thomas, you're such a creep. He's so bad. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Thomas's life slowly started to become fixated around his conversations online with Jesse. She fed him photos from her high school basketball team, softball team, graduation, and prom as their relationship continued for months. Sir, oh you have two teenage baby. daughters. You Ooh. have two teenage daughters, and you're sitting here looking at high school basketball and prom pictures and getting turned on. You nasty. Oh, my you gosh. Nasty. He makes me want to vomit. Yeah. Fuck you, Thomas. Because mm-hmm. I know he's listening right now. Fuck you, Thomas. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> Thomas had created an alter ego of himself as younger and stronger. Mm. Quote, he was my height, six feet tall, had bright red hair, big shoulders, muscles, and all that. <laughs> Said Thomas to ABC News. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Online messages recovered between the pair revealed that the relationship had become dangerously obsessive for Thomas, who said, it became more real to me than my real life. Yeah. They obsessed ex- much? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, Anyways... <laughs> They exchanged (laughs) gifts and love letters. Mm. I love you always and forever, Tommy, wrote Jesse. I have never felt this way, Thomas replied. Oh, my God. So gross. Okay. So gross and cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) However, fate caught up with him when one of his daughters found her father's disturbing chats and was sufficiently creeped out enough to tell her mother, good job, queen. (laughs) Ah, bitch. (laughs) Then his wife, Cindy, found a package that Jesse had sent to him, which led her to his secret pile of photos, underwear, and letters from Jesse in West Virginia. Oh, my God. He had a shrine. Cindy took matters into her own hands and sent a letter back to the sender with a photo of her husband and his family. I have a picture of that photo if you want to look. And Cindy, you're a bad bitch. I'm here for this. I love it. So here's what Thomas looks like. And his wife, Cindy, and his two girls looks like a perp. Yeah. Sorry. His two girls respectfully blurred out. Thank you. Yeah. (sighs) It's so bad. The hair. so bad. The glasses. What hair? It's like. (laughs) His wisps? Yeah, his wisps. I wonder if the wind was blowing that day and that's where it landed when he walked in to Sears for the photo. Run a comb through your hair. (laughs) Okay, but here's here's what went with that picture. Okay. Here's a note that Cindy sent. Quote, let me introduce you to these people. 
The man in the center is Tom, my husband since 1989. He is 46 years old, end quote. Mm. Horrified, Jesse sent a text message ending the affair. So Thomas said, she sends me a text message and says she hates me. You should be put in jail for this, he told ABC News. Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Pedophilia, 100%. friend. Just a tad. A vengeful Jesse then used the internet to find a 22-year-old co-worker of Thomas named Brian Barrett, setting in motion a tragic series of events which led to his murder. Yeah. So let's go look at a picture of Brian Barrett. Poor Brian. And I chose this one because he's sitting there on the computer. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here, here's a little more about Brian Barrett. Look at his poor, sweet, precious little baby face. Uh, he's got some garbage, too. Calm I down. know. Calm down. <laughs> she flirted online with Brian, whose screen name was Beefcake. Beefcake! Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> These screen names are priceless. Tall Hot Blonde, Beefcake, and Marine, Marine Sniper. Sniper. <laughs> wow. They are all stretching, aren't mm-hmm. they? <laughs> okay. But she was flirting with him in public chats for Thomas to see. Oh, you sneaky little girl. <laughs> the men began a furious rivalry. Yeah. Brian will pay in blood, Thomas wrote at one point to Jesse. As the messages he sent to her became more and more unhinged, Thomas was embarrassed online by Brian and Jesse as they posted his real age and picture onto forums, making him out to be a pedophile. God, You're in wow. the teenager chat room, first off. So, right. I mean, Calm down. This is all so dramatic. So, oh, boy. So much drama. <laughs> Let's take a drink before we get to this and part. This is like just the... Woo. Okay. Here we go. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. ready. That's why I got to take a drink. (laughs) All right. Okay. Here we go. Still, Jesse continued to string Thomas along. The IMs that came from Jesse showed her to be torn. She was mad one minute, desperate to return to a love with a man who she knew didn't exist. Jesse was teasing him. I've got a little um, snippet of one of their chat sessions. Yes! So, okay. Tall Hot Blonde, I ache to be with Tommy. Gross. Do you miss it, Tom? Marine Sniper, more than you will ever know. My heart aches to hear you call me your Tommy. <laughs> I wish I could be that 19-year-old Marine for you. Tall Hot Blonde, I know, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just wait. Stick, stick, with, stick with me to the end, kids. Yeah, you're going to want to. <laughs> Wanting to end the affair, Thomas found he couldn't and described it like a drug. It even seemed that he was losing touch with reality as a note to himself proved. Okay, here's the note he wrote to himself. On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life. Oh, my God, you psycho. He wrote that note to himself. Yeah, Okay. Okay. All right. Here I have a quote from Barbara Schroeder, who documented the bizarre relationship in a documentary called Tall Hot Blonde. Did you watch it? I did not. You, you know, I'm it. really bad about that. I know. But if you get a chance, you it's, it's a good one. I'm real bad about watching the TV. All right. So here's the quote. Okay. In his mind, this was the jackpot. <laughs> he was being accepted for being 46, and he still had this hot young girl who wanted him. Right. Oh, this is also very terrible. <laughs> it's also very terrible. Oh, God. Uh, so here we go. Here okay. we go. More more little. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas says nothing sexual happened between them after Tall Hot Blonde found out how old he was, but their IMs tell a different story. Marine Sniper. Wish you were nude. <laughs> oh, my God. Not naked. Nude. Not naked. Nude. <laughs> Whatever. He's allowed to show his age now. It doesn't matter. It's fixing to get more ridiculous. Yeah. Tall, hot, blonde. What would you do? Oh, God. <laughs> Marine sniper. Stare. Creepy. <laughs> Tall, hot, blonde. That all? Marine <laughs> Marine sniper. Nope. You might get the magic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> do you believe in magic? <laughs> Oh my god! 
Just, you might get the I'm magic. I'm stealing that. I'm stealing it. <laughs> Somebody please use Just that, add on, that their, into on their significant other. Please. <laughs> add that into your uh, dirty talk repertoire. <laughs> Happy humping. <laughs> Happy humping. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> So after his, you might get the magic line, God. Tall Hot Blonde says, mm, mm. make love to me, Tommy. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. And also, baby. who says that? Make love to me. <laughs> the movie? I mean, <laughs> does anybody really say- No. No, nobody <laughs> says that. If y'all say you say that, you're lying. <laughs> nobody says that. Anyway, it didn't last. Jesse told them they were through and started things back up with Brian again. Oh, no. Thomas yeah. began to go into a downward spiral. That was a bad idea. Here's where things get super garbagey, friends. Yeah. Eventually, Brian decided to visit Jesse, even though she had warned him not to. When Thomas heard Brian gleefully telling their mutual co-workers that he was going to meet her in person and pop her cherry, ew. Uh, fuck you. He was thrown into a blind rage. On September 15th, 2006, Thomas drove to meet Brian as he left work and shot him three times with a military rifle, killing him. Jesus. So I have a picture. It says crime scene, but it's just like a picture of the window. To the, the- wall. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just a picture of the truck window where the bullets went through. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. That's That's enough. Three bullets. That works. Yep, there's three holes right there. How about pew, that? Pew, pew. <laughs> that was adorable. That was my reenactment. Yeah. Uh, that was, was so accurate. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you what need the sound to be about. hired to do that professionally. Okay. <laughs> Take a sip on that. Okay. As police responded to the murder, they quickly uncovered the internet love triangle, and when they couldn't find Thomas, rushed to Jesse, fearing she was in danger. (laughs) However, okay, Amanda's not garbage. You'll find out why she's laughing. (laughs) However, when police arrived at her door in Oak Hill, West Virginia, they were met with 45-year-old Mary Shiler. (laughs) Yeah. Telling her what had happened and how they desperately needed to speak to Jesse, Mary broke down in tears and confessed her whole elaborate deception of Thomas and Brian. Yep. Here we go. (laughs) While questioning her, they discovered that Jesse was in fact her daughter and the pictures and underwear she had been sending belonged to her 18-year-old. I don't know what's worse. Him dreaming about an 18-year-old or her actually sending her daughter's actual panties. Oh, that's terrible. Her. She's worse. <laughs> she is the epitome of garbage parent. Oh, my God. I have a picture of Mary and Jesse together. Okay. It says Jesse and Mary. Yeah. at her. It's at her graduation. See, Jesse is really a, a gorgeous young lady. Yeah. <laughs> she exists. And there's her mom. But there's her mom, Mary. Fuck you, Mary. Because you know she's <laughs> listening to <laughs> Mary Shiler. Fuck Shame you. on you. Mm-hmm. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. It's gross. Okay. You're all so nasty. Mm-hmm. It was later discovered that Mary had flirted online as Jesse with other men, too. And once, y'all, this is awful. And once oh, pointed wow. a video camera up her unaware daughter's skirt for a video she sent to several men with the question, guys, do you like it? Garbage. Garbage. Oh. Jesse had no knowledge of her mother's cyber life. Nope. She had no idea any of this was going on. Nope. Poor sweet baby. Yes. Oh, my God. The only victim in any of this. Yeah. Really. Well, I mean, Brian died. Well, but, I mean, he was the victim, but, I mean. He was only 22, though. He he wasn't. He, he Poor thing. He didn't even get to find out the truth before he Mm-mm. passed. No. Yeah. So poor Brian. I mean, he's garbage for saying the pop and cherry thing. Yeah, um, but he's really a, a innocent victim yeah. in this one as well. So poor Brian. Poor Jesse. This mm. is garbage. Okay. When the police apprehended Thomas for the murder of Brian Barrett, they built up a strong case against him, having found his DNA on a peach pit at the crime scene, 
and a family photo which showed the gun used to shoot the 22-year-old. He pleaded guilty to the murder and was sentenced to 20 years. Not enough. Yeah, he had a plea deal and only got 20 years. Not enough. Yeah. So he's out, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just walking amongst us. That's why he's listening. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors in New York desperately searched for a reason to charge Mary Shiler, but ultimately could find no law she had broken. What? Here's a quote from Prosecutor Ken Case. Shame on her. She she not only didn't do anything about it, I think she provoked it. Unfortunately, in New York State, you have to do a little something more to be criminally liable. Yeah. In her defense, in Mary's defense, she claimed that she was keeping Thomas online so that he couldn't talk to other teenagers. Ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You had no idea he was a married man, like married 46-year-old man. Mm. Fuck off, man. Somebody come get this bitch. God. Mary has never apologized to her daughter, and her husband divorced her, (laughs) and Jesse cut off contact. She went to college in Virginia and moved in with some relatives. I have a picture of Jesse and her dad. It looks like a screen grab from one of the interviews they had done. Oh, yeah. But that's her and her dad. Oh, poor thing. I know. Look on her face. Poor husband, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It all sucks. Yeah, all of it. Brian Barrett's parents began a petition for laws to protect against future Mary Shilers. Yes. This story has now been turned into a Lifetime movie directed by Courtney Cox. Oh, hell yes. So something else on the list to watch. Okay. And that's it. That's my case. So good. A catfish and love triangle. Oh, my God. I really can't believe they couldn't find some type of punishment to give her. I mean, um, something. A fine community I, service. Because at first I was like, well, isn't that like child porn? But she's what? 18. Yeah, but you're... Uh, uh, yep, there's... It's there's that, loopholes to all that of it. Age. it it's not to, exploitation because mm-hmm. she's 18. Like, ugh, garbage. But the fact that she wasn't aware of it, isn't that a crime? Maybe it wasn't then, but... In, I don't know. I don't know. It's garbage. She it should have gone be. to jail for something. Right? I mean, good God. Okay. This case is bonkers. It's bananas. B A N A N A S. And now it's my turn. You sit back and enjoy the rest of your cupcake and your little drinky drink over there, and let me tell you about the parachute murders. Okay, I'm totally here for it. Two women shared the same first name and were close friends. They both had a passion for skydiving, and they both loved the same man. Well, all right. Mm. The parachute murder is the name the Belgian media gave to the crime that led to a 2010 Belgian love triangle skydiving murder trial. That's quite the sentence. Isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Throwing it on heavy. Yeah. The case of the skydiving murderess has everything. Secret rendezvous, deception, and a sabotaged parachute. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> the defendant, 26-year-old elementary school teacher and amateur skydiver Els Klotmans, was found guilty of murder by sabotaging the parachutes of another woman. Fellow skydiver, 38-year-old Els Van Duren, because Van Duren has a, was a rival for the love of Marcel Somers, also a skydiver. She's a school teacher? She's a school teacher. Oh my gosh. Van Duren at one point suggested that everyone in the skydiving club call her younger friend Babs so there would be less confusion. So I'm going to call her that through the rest of it. Okay, so Babs is the killer. Babs is the bad girl. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. Duh. Okay. <laughs> Love me some Billy. All right, let's go look at L's, L's, and Marcel, shall we? Okay. First, there's Babs. Okay. Hi, Babs. Babs got her boobs out. Bye. Yes, she does. All right. Uh, uh, often. 
She doesn't look like a Babs to me. No, I don't know where the nickname came from. Yeah, but hi, Babs. But hi, Babs. And then there's um, the other L's. Okay. She's adorable. (laughs) Super smiley. I know. I love her smile. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. And uh, then down below is Marcel, the man that they were so in love with. What? It's it says Marcel. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you were like, where's the picture? This is yeah, when you kill bitches over. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's what I said too. Hi, Marcel. Hi. Hey. Here we go. On November eighteenth, two thousand six, twelve members of a skydiving club that included L's. Somers and Babs flew over Flanders. This is all in Belgium. Okay. Just in case. I assumed. Well, I mean, just in case you missed it when I said it before that it was a Belgian media thing. But yeah. Okay. Now that we've got that straight. <laughs> so Els and Babs were supposed to link hands with Marcel and another man in a skydiving quartet. They all just, like link up. Yeah. Anyways, then release hands and engage the parachutes. Babs, however, said that she jumped a fraction too late to join the other three. When the sign was given to open the parachutes, Elle struggled with hers. Of course she did. She perished in the most dramatic way after leaping from a Cessna airplane at 13,000 feet. She found her chute ropes had been cut plummeting to the ground at 120 miles per hour. Oh, my fuck. She crashed and died instantly in someone's garden in the town of Oklebeck. Oklebeck? Oklebeck? Oklebeck. Something. That word. That sounds like a made-up word. It does. Okay. But I have a photo of the garden. Oh, my God. She's not in there. Okay. It's just a photo of the garden. It's a really pretty garden. It's it's just in somebody's backyard. That's yeah, uh, lovely, but there was a body there. There's a body. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Very. Oh, what a horrible way to die. Yes. You have all that time to think about it while you're plummeting at 120 miles per hour. It was about two miles. That and, she and you know you're going to die. Yeah. You, the you, whole time. You know. Oh, that's awful. And that's why I'm not skydiving. So Ever. Ever. I am not brave enough for that. I won't even bungee jump. No, Me I'll, neither. I'll do the sky swing thing. I've done that. Mm-mm. That can break too. Fuck that shit. It could, but I was in high floor. school and I didn't give a shit. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> but now that I'm older, <laughs> I uh, don't think I'm going to do that. No, no. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would probably do the swing again and then throw up because my motion sickness would kick in <laughs> because I'm over 40. So... <laughs> Getting old's fun. It's so much fun. It's so super. much fun. Anywho, so years have passed since Elle's death. Since then, her involvement in a bizarre love triangle has come to light. A mother of two married to an Antwerp jeweler. What is that? Married to a what? An Antwerp. I'm pretty sure that's not how you say it, but that's what it looks like. Okay, Antwerp. It's a kind of, it's a kind of diamond. Antwerp is home to all major diamond mining companies, which source diamonds for thousands of diamond dealers across the globe. Okay. So he's just like a big time diamond dealer. Okay. So he's a diamond thief. So <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Yeah. A diamond thief. Yeah. yeah. He's, okay. <laughs> he's a black market diamond jeweler. Oh my God. So. All right, so did you hear that, though? She's married. She married. And she, got she, the kids. Was, she was sleeping with Marcel. Mm-hmm. And Every Marcel, time you say Marcel, I just think of the monkey on Friends. Yes! Mm-hmm. Thank you! <laughs> but they're not sleeping with a monkey, okay? okay? Well, I mean, he ain't cute, but... No, he's not cute. He just, <laughs> <laughs> the monkey's cuter. The monkey's way cuter. <laughs> We're going to post a picture of the monkey. Uh-huh. Okay, so this bitch was married to a diamond black market jeweler dealer. <laughs> and she was also sleeping with Marcel. And Marcel was also supposedly sleeping with Babs. It's too much. It's too much. Y'all it's need to calm down. Calm down over there. The case has gripped Belgium, where a live television feed was set up from the courtroom. This is a country where crimes of passion are rare. 
The details of the love triangle, Bab's apparent raging jealousy, and the spectacular death plunge seem to have more in common with an episode of CSI than the humdrum routine of life in Flanders. Okay. Also in Belgium. (laughs) The locals wonder how long it will be before the inevitable Hollywood dramatization. Here for that shit. Yeah, make a Lifetime movie out of that. But. Come on, Courtney Cox. But. Or Jennifer Aniston or Lisa Kudrow. Any of the Friends cast. I'm Courtney here. Fox is direct, directed the Lifetime movie in my story. That's why I said that. I know. Oh, okay. Part of the crime has already been caught on video. What? So Elle's agonizing fall was filmed with her own head-mounted camera. No. She is initially seen jumping from the plane with Babs along with Marcel and another man. All seems fine when they link hands mid-air in a star formation, something they had done many times before. But when they release their hands at 4,500 feet, Els discovers that neither her main parachute nor the backup chute will deploy. In the chilling footage... She is seen frantically tugging at the straps, trying to open her parachutes before plunging to her death. Oh, no. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch There is... Okay. You cannot find the footage anymore. Um, It was available... I I dug as far deep and is into every media platform I could find. If you can find the footage, watch it. I have a photo of the formation um, with the 12 people. Right before she starts. I don't know which one is her. But anyways, let's go look at the photo. This is uh, what she captured from hers. Well, if she captured that, then she's not in that. Right. No, I don't. Sorry. I don't know if um, Babs is in that one. She didn't. She didn't. jump. Sorry. I was so confused. (laughs) I was like, she can't be in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let me clarify what I meant. I okay. don't know if Babs is one of those because she didn't jump with them in time to do theirs. So I don't know if she did another one. Okay. I don't know if she was in that group. Okay. My bad. My bad. Okay. So anyways, so there's that. I've been told that it's really horrible. Um, you can see the look on her face. Mm-hmm. She, like, looks up right before it happens and... Yeah, I don't want to yeah, watch that. It's, so I'm, I'm actually pretty glad that it's not on there anymore. <clears throat> so the first question a family normally asks is whether the victim suffered, whether she knew what happened. We don't have to ask. It was filmed. Try to deal with that as a family, said Jeff Vermissen, the lawyer for the um, Van Doren's family for Els. Mm. Yeah, so they actually, I don't, it was available to see. Yeah. Babs initially escaped attention during a first round of police questioning because of her friendship with the victim. In the 10 months before the incident, they spoke over 200 times on the phone. Oh, my goodness. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do text messaging. Yeah. We ain't talking. Uh, don't call me. We hardly ever, like, actually speak. No, don't call me. When you do call me, I'm like, what's wrong? If you have my phone number, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> Just text me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do that first. <laughs> but she became a suspect when she attempted suicide hours before she was to make a second statement to the police. Oh, my gosh. Babs was eventually arrested January of 2007, then released on bail in 2008. But why, do? Here's why. Okay. Her trial began on September 24th, 2010. So she was out for two years before her trial even happened. Oh, that's garbage. As her murder trial opened, she sat nervously in front of the mud-caked parachute bag and helmet that Els wore as she frantically tried to open the chute before hitting the ground. Mm. It took until Wednesday, October 20th, after a four-week trial in the northern Flemish town of Tongeren, for a jury to find her guilty of premeditated murder. The court sentenced her to a 30-year jail term. I have a photo of her sitting in front of the bag. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Talk about taunting right there. There's some torture for you. She's in the red sweater, by the way. Who can't even look at it? Mm Mm-hmm. Man, fuck you, Babs. Oh, yeah. 
Despite the emphatic sentence handed to Bebs, just one notch down from life imprisonment, some still doubt her guilt. Throughout 100 hours of interrogation by detectives, she maintained her innocence. They wanted me to confess, but confess to what? I couldn't confess. I hadn't done anything. Yeah. So some other slut cutter parachute. Yeah, okay. Straps, okay. We're going to get into it. And although the jury did find her guilty, there actually was no hard evidence to convict her. No confession, no witnesses, no fingerprints or DNA, not even an incriminating knife or pair of scissors. But there is a 68-page indictment read out by Prosecutor Patrick Bowen. Boyan? Boyan? Said there was enough evidence for the murder charge. As a skydiver, she had the knowledge and opportunity to sabotage the parachute. Yeah. It alleged that she made two key cuts in Elle's parachute. On top of that, she had a relationship with Marcel, who also had a relationship with the victim, giving the accused a motive to have Marcel for her alone. Mm. She does appear to have had the motive and the opportunity. Prosecutor said Summers was sharing his bed on Friday nights with Babs and on Saturdays with Elle's. Oh, my stars. So, the drama. Yeah. They stated that on November 10th, 2006, a week before the murder, Babs was staying at Marcel's home in the southern Dutch city of Eindhoven when Els showed up. Prosecutors claimed that Summers then took Els upstairs to bed while Babs was kept downstairs on a mattress in the living room. Oh, bag. my God. They argued that Babs could hear the pair making love through the thin walls. So, um, Marcel, Marcel's parachutes were in we the hall. We all stupid for putting up with his shit. I mean, <laughs> this is all just, stupid. Like, why did you allow that to happen to yourself? I'm, I'm not trying to, like, I just don't understand. <laughs> y'all knew what y'all, y'all knew what he was doing. Come on. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me y'all didn't sit there and talk about what y'all did with him or. Which is gross. Which it's is all gross. Which is it's weird. Not, this is gross. I'm not sharing a guy with you. I love you, but I'm not uh-uh. sharing a guy with you. No. Sorry, friend. <sighs> yeah, it's just, okay. So Marcel had all the backpacks with the parachutes in the hallway. And Babs, consumed with jealousy, took that chance to interfere with him. Mm-hmm. Investigators found that the straps of both Elle's main and her reserve chutes had been cut. Mm-hmm. The jury also heard a damning portrait of Babs' emotional state. A report by three psychologists depicted her as deeply psychopathic, <laughs> but All able right. to maintain a facade. Okay. She was cold and without emotion, they said, and a danger for society. She was described as being deeply disturbed by her father's death when she was two and having sought psychological help after a suicide attempt at the age of 16. Testifying via video from the Netherlands, Marcel suggested that Babs was unable to cope with his relationship with Els. When Els and I went to bed, Babs kept turning it over. Something cracked, he said. She took a pair of scissors and cut the parachute cords. For me, that's the most realistic scenario. Prosecutors accused Babs of sending anonymous letters to Els and making anonymous phone calls. Another member of the parachute club in Swartberg, uh, just 20 minutes, uh, just 20 miles from the Dutch border, described Babs as a drama queen. Okay. The judge said the only mitigating circumstance was Babs' unstable mental condition. But her attorney, Vic Van Ust. I am here for that name. <laughs> I'm here for it. Argued that this failed to meet legal tests. There is not a shred of hard evidence to justify locking somebody up in a cell for the rest of her life. Only a lot of hocus pocus. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. This has become an extraordinary public debate because everyone is asking, did she or didn't she do it? Oh, she did it. I mean, I'm going to. I'm. She did that shit. Eight ball signs are pointing to yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you have to ask, to what extent largely circumstantial evidence can be used to, con- to convict a person? Motive and opportunity are important, but if they were the only elements, I would not convict the person, says Gert Vermeulen. <laughs> Vermeulen? I'm not here for that name. I don't know. Head of Gents <laughs> University. <laughs> Gint? All right. Gint? I don't know. I don't 
speak that language. Most Belgians following the trial agreed with the jury that the evidence, however circumstantial, pointed to Babs' guilt and accepted the court verdict as fair. I'm going to have to agree. Mm Mm-hmm. She did it. I think she did it. Mm Mm-hmm. How y'all she was jealous? I'd be pissed off if if we were hanging out and the other girl shows up and you go upstairs with her and tell me to sleep downstairs on... No, that was my night. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Fuck her. No. <laughs> and I just why are be, you sharing just, him in the first place? Yeah, I would just peace out. I'd be like, no, uh-uh. I'm not going to go. Man, this I world. Mean, she took it to the extreme. This world is wild. These people are wild. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. For reals. All, a whole bushel. <sighs> so there's my case. All right. Well, <laughs> that was fun. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I changed it at the last minute, like legit yesterday. I did this case in one day. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> Good job, friend. God. <laughs> I had to. I had to. We'll have a 2.0. Yeah, we're definitely going to have a 2.0. There's so much love triangle garbage out there. We'll bring this one back. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. All right. Who's ready for some trivia? trivia! Me. Okay. Last week's trivia winners on Facebook were Bonnie Cole. Yeah. This is her second star, right? I know. Yeah. And Northern Gothic True Crime on Instagram. Yep. There's as well. Yep. Our new uh, podcast friend. Yep. So, um, ding, 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 friends. Giving you a run for your money. Because mm-hmm. there will be a prize at the end of the season. We still don't know what we it is. We still don't know what it is. But you're getting one. But it's going to be fabulous. And totally worth it. Just trust us. We're fabulous, so why wouldn't your prize be? Yeah. There you go. I mean, look at all the awesome stuff we do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just imagine what we'll do for you. <laughs> you <laughs> might get the magic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but some is shape or form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so last week's <laughs> trivia question was... Who were the children of the snow? And here's your answer. Yeah. Mark Stebens. Stebbins. Either way. However it comes. 12 years old. Jill Robinson, 12. Christine Milik. Um, I apologize if I'm pronouncing these wrong. 13 and Timothy King, 11, were victims of the Oakland County Child Killer or the OCCK. In the Detroit, Michigan area in the mid-1970s. No one has been brought to justice for these slayings. So y'all want to know a little bit? Yeah. Because I really want to read this. Yeah. In 2019, the Investigation Discovery Channel ran Children of the Snow, a two-part series that used DNA testing to link the murders to nearby North Fox Island's former owner, Francis Shelton and his alleged child pornography and pedophile ring. Oh, great. So we can watch this. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Sheldon ran the Brother Paul's children's mission and used the island for a quote-unquote nature camp for underprivileged children. The name of the documentary refers to the way the OCCK displayed his victims, dressed impeccably in freshly pressed clothes and laid on snowbanks to appear as if they were sleeping. Gross. During the investigation of the murders, one boy disclosed what actually happened at the nature camp to his parents. Eventually, the pedophile ring was revealed to include wealthy businessmen, politicians, and other powerful men who used the island as their personal playground to rape and film young boys. This sounds familiar. Sheldon fled to the Netherlands in 1976 as authorities closed in on him with search and arrest warrants for criminal sexual misconduct. He reportedly died there in 1996, having never answered for any of his alleged activities on the island. Still, at least two of the Children of the Snow murders occurred after Sheldon left the country, leaving even more doubts. Indeed, through the years, authorities have investigated several men with possible connections to the case, including a convicted pedophile who failed a polygraph test related to the murders. Mm. Archibald Edward Sloan is currently serving a life sentence in Michigan for raping a 10-year-old boy in 1983, and law enforcement even linked hair samples from his car to those found on the bodies of Stevens and King, but there wasn't enough evidence to hold him for the crimes. That's enough for me. Yeah. 
A un- this is the last little bit. A unique bit of evidence in this case is hair from a dog that was found on all of the victims. Yeah. Rather appropriately for these eternal children of the snow, the dog's hair was white. Mm. Well, that's garbage. Total garbage. I know. But yeah, that's enough evidence for me to convict him. Mm-hmm. So, yep. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, new question, new question. Mm-hmm. Make it a good one. The suspense kills me like every week. She's over there getting a flip through the book and I'm across the table. I can't see That's it. Stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> okay, so this week's question. Mm-hmm. Who left his young victims near I-295 in Washington, D.C.? One more time for the people in the back. Who left his young victims near I-295 in Washington, D.C.? Your time starts now. Tick motherfucking talk. <laughs> Tick tock on the clock and the party don't stop. Okay. Okay. That's enough of that. Yep. All right, friends. And we say that y'all have till Friday, but you have been guessing it the same day that we post it. So and I'm here for that shit. Yeah. So we'll start posting the winners on Thursdays. Yeah. Whatevs. Happy to do it. Yeah. Whenever it hits. All right. So you guys don't forget to go and rate and review and do all that fun stuff. That's yeah. still there. We need that. We that helps need us those mm-hmm. all the time. It helps us friends. That's all I got, I guess. That's all I have. All right. Okay. But we're going to go. That's it. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagens for art. I'll talk at you next week.